0: Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 74 of the Doble Densidad podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo- What was that? Wait,
1: wait, what was that?
0: It was uh, the intro. What are you talking about? (laughs) Why'd you say it in Spanish? Why not? It's a callback to our earlier episodes. Remember when we used to uh, see Doble Densidad when we do uh, search engine searches? That was a while ago, right? That was like in our
1: second episode when we were debating if we uh,
0: should keep this name or not. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing a a throwback all the way back there, my friend. I just had the weirdest intro ever. (laughs) Well... (laughs) It's about to get weirder. So uh, before we started uh, recording, uh, I'm a master procrastinator. So uh, I know I was supposed to read everything, and I did. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I like to refresh myself right before we start recording. But sometimes I just I give in to my lower instincts and uh, my baser instincts. And I decided to instead play some Zelda on my NES Classic. And so I started the game, and I named my character, and I started. And I go into the first dungeon, and the dungeon's all weird and confusing. And I don't understand what happened. And then I'm like, did they update Zelda for the NES Classic? this is so strange. Um, And so I realized what I had done wrong. Can you guess what I'd done wrong? Did you name yourself Zelda? I sure did name myself Zelda. And now like everyone is yelling. And usually I'm the first to catch on with this kind of stuff, but I was so exhausted in my brain that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to name this Zelda and just keep going. And yep, so I entered the second quest accidentally.
1: I knew as soon as you you said that, because obviously the uh, the NES Classic isn't just going to start glitching out. Uh, I knew exactly that's what it was. Pretty cool. I'm yeah. really smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Game set match to you, Angelo. Uh, well, see, I, I keep stupid information like that in my head anyway, so I knew. Uh, it's, it's just like uh, uh, Justin. But you've really good
0: with this kind of stuff, remember? Yeah, just, like yeah, just Yeah, yeah. But usually, in this I just it didn't catch on. I was just. I think I'm just so exhausted and uh, sleep deprived at this point, uh, because of life that I completely forgot. Well, speaking of naming Nintendo characters,
1: fun fact, uh, you know who Samus Aaron is actually named after? Uh, who? Pele. Really? Yeah. Look up Pele's full name and,
0: uh, it's uh, a variant on Samus Aaron. There we go. This is a double intensity truth bomb here. Angelo, how are you doing? Cause you delayed me in my intro. So I was going to ask you how you were doing. I'm doing great. Uh, I actually had my daughter in the car we were driving home and
1: she, she was asking me all kinds of questions about what type of video game I'd make if I was a video game maker. And then she'd say, she told me she'd make a game about princess peach. And I said, she would not be allowed unless she worked
0: for Nintendo. And she did not understand that. Ooh, I was expecting you to say some kind of a uh, harvest of moon. No, she's never played off. that. No, I'm talking about you yourself. Oh, my you like a sim about the, the seasons and also about, you know, finding a romantic partner. But that's been done. It's called uh, Stardew Valley. That's true. That is very true. That's friend.
1: on my wish list, actually, of uh, Nintendo Switch games to get everybody raves about how good it is.
0: And yet one day, one day soon you'll get there, though. Don't worry about it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I, uh, I did something I thought I wouldn't, wasn't going to do. <laughs> this is a very broad topic, but
0: go ahead. I signed up for Amazon Prime. <sighs> okay. Explain why. I guess we'll start with there. Like, why did you sign up for Amazon Prime?
1: So it's really not for the two-day shipping, because I don't care about that. Uh, it's not that expensive when you look at how expensive Netflix is. And there's finally enough shows on there that I kind of want to watch. They have Parks and Rec, which I'd like to watch. They have 30 Rock, which I'd like to watch. We don't have that on Netflix Canada.
0: and um, But it used to be there. It, uh, no, that was never there. Maybe when you had uh, a VPN. No, I'm pretty sure 30 Rock was on Canadian Netflix at one point. Never been there. Okay. I right.
1: guarantee you that, or else I would okay. have watched it. Um, but I want to see uh, Jim from The Office play Jack Ryan. And uh, it's, I watched the first episode last night, and it's pretty good. Have you seen the mashup trailer? No, I haven't. It must be great. Where it's like Dwight's the Terrorist? It's pretty good. I like John Krasinski. He's great. He was really good in um, A Quiet Place. Did you watch that? And he directed it.
0: And uh, his wife was in it. I did not know he was married to Emily Blunt he sure is my friend and but those kids aren't his kids like don't i I think that those those are his kids because they're not um i feel like uh that movie is like a way better riff on living on a farm than signs was oh my god it destroys signs (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's not it's not without its complications but the thing is like if you think a lot of the loopholes that you think are real within the movie you will realize that there's sound logic behind most of the things sound logic no pun intended brian exactly <laughs> exactly how do you feel about uh contributing to a really uh bad cultural climate with amazon by subscribing and giving amazon money
1: yeah i know amazon's not the best place to work at uh here no. so there's some horror stories from their uh warehouses and stuff and uh, the wish fulfillment centers my friend yeah it kind of bugs me a little it's just uh the convenience, Brian.
0: The convenience. Of course, of, it all. of course. I haven't. I myself, and like this, is not preaching to people because this is the last thing I want to do. But I, you know, I haven't ordered uh, anything from Amazon for about almost a year now. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I used to wear work in a warehouse in the summer, and it was not fun. So I can only imagine how it feels times ten if you are not able to, for example, make it to the bathroom on your uh, scheduled break.
1: Yeah. No. I. I can understand the reason for not using amazon i'm not going to hold that against anyone i just hope hope people don't hold it against me for signing up for amazon prime i do order a lot of stuff from amazon it's just convenience sake it's kind of hard to get out sometimes um, especially where i live out in the boonies i know my excuse for everything
0: if you want to go ahead and either let angelo know that he is right or he is wrong you can go ahead and tweet us at double underscore identity. density next thing on the docket angelo's that a couple of weeks ago we released our Apple 2018 Keynote special episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it uh, over on DoubleDensity.net or any of your normal podcast apps. But we kind of wanted to do some follow-up here.
1: A lot of non- techie smartphone users seem a little confused about how the iPhones that are out now. Um, There are basically five models available. Well, four really. One is just a size difference. But there's the 7, the 8, XR, no, the 10R. 10R. See? (laughs) And the XS. so uh,
0: Before I forget, if you haven't listened to our special, we've covered a lot of the minutiae about the naming of things, so we really highly suggest you go check that out. It's only 25 minutes. We're, it's super short. It's like a short episode of Double NCD. Yeah, it's a little all bonus. We do talk about, yeah, all we do is talk about Apple stuff. But anyways, continue with your naming of phones. Well,
1: and, and and my wife was saying that they were talking about these things at work today, and they're freaking out that some of these phones uh, cost upwards of $2,000 if uh, you deck them out completely. The highest-priced phone here in Canada is 2,000 Canadian, so I guess that's like, what, fifteen sixteen hundred 1,600 American? Uh,
0: And that's a lot of money for a little tiny phone. It sure is. Uh, My friend Bruno was texting me. He's saying it's usually he doesn't know how he'd feel about having um, a device that would be uh, the same price as a a moderately priced used car in his pocket. And I agree with that.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I never thought of it as that. It really can cost you as much as a car. And uh, I guess so much packed into that little bit of density. No
0: pun intended for (laughs) for our podcast. But so uh, in the special episode i was talking about how this pricing tier i feel is just getting more and more expensive and i'm glad that other people agree because i was saying like this is rich people stuff business insider agrees with me about this and that um apple is trying to move their way slowly but surely to a proper upper luxury brand because it kind of was a luxury brand before right like it was never a discount brand but now i feel like their pricing and as well as like upping the price of their lowest priced iphone uh makes it harder for consumers to afford
1: what's Funny is something people have brought up is that because they've priced the flagship 10 phones, so the 10s and the 10s Max at such high prices that the uh, quote-unquote lower-priced 10R is actually fifty dollars more expensive than what was the regular iPhone uh, Plus just a few years ago. Right. Right. So that was so it's actually so the cheapest new phone now is $50 more expensive than the best phone was a few years ago.
0: (laughs) If you you can understand all that. Yeah. Uh, Math is rampant here in double density tonight, or as I like to call it, double densidad. Uh, Yeah, I still think uh, this is a rich people brand, uh, and I feel bad for using one. It's always been that Apple has more expensive stuff. The thing is,
1: is that it wasn't that they were overpricing things. It's just that everything was like higher end. So their computers were actually fairly priced. Even like, I'd say, so in the late 90s, they weren't. Apple stuff was expensive. Then from like 2002 to like 2012, stuff was actually really fairly priced for what you got, you got a good value. Um, So many places said that the MacBook Air was the best value laptop. There was no competition there. You wanted a laptop, it was the easiest one to recommend because of the price and because of what you got for that price. Now, We've said this like since the show started. It's really hard to recommend Apple laptops unless you've got a lot of money to spend and uh, you absolutely absolutely need a Mac. There's nothing that's easy to recommend. the The easiest thing to recommend is their iMac, and even that's super expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like I have an expensive iMac, but it's it's priced fairly for what you get. It's just. For what you get fairly priced, you're going to pay a lot of money. Does that make sense?
0: Am I making any sense tonight? No, but we're going to continue on. Uh, words of wisdom to everyone else. You can go ahead and build a Hackintosh if you'd like. Uh, no, you for... should not do that. <laughs> Why not? It causes too many problems. And then... Like what? If, and for who?
1: You know what, though? That's a, if you're building a Hackintosh, you probably know what you're doing. So yeah,
0: go ahead and build a Hackintosh. Yeah. Well, it's just I have two friends who've done that successfully and they've used it um, because of certain proprietary software that's easier to use on a Mac and they uh, don't necessarily like the price point they'd have to pay uh, in addition to legitimately um, licensing some programs.
1: No, I I, look, right now Apple stuff is very expensive. Uh, It's relatively fairly priced, but still like... Everybody's pricing uh, smartphones at $1,000. All these flagship phones. It's not like Apple's like at the top of the heap with expensive phones. They're all really expensive. The Galaxy phones are... I
0: I do think the range is much larger for Android phones, for example, right?
1: Oh, yeah. You can get bottom-of-the-barrel plastic Samsung phones, and you can get really expensive Galaxy Notes. And the thing with Apple is you've got no bargain bin phones. They're all like aluminum and
0: glass and very expensive. And have things like the iCloud? Well, I mean, iCloud is part of it, I guess. Uh, I'm just trying to set up the next topic here, if you'd let me do that. Oh, uh, continue, Brian, (laughs) continue. Uh, Angela, we're going to go from things that exist in the clouds to things that can exist right in our hands. And what I'm talking about, of course, are magnetic tapes used as storage devices.
1: I came across this article a few weeks ago, and uh, it's been sitting in our, our things to talk about for a bit. But it's super interesting how far magnetic tape has gone and how it's still used extensively because of really how much better it is than so many other storage mediums.
0: One of my favorite anecdotes of the entire article is talking about how in 2011, Google had lost a bunch of its users' uh, Gmail emails. And uh, even though there were some redundancies built into place, they actually had to go back to magnetic tapes in order to get information. And that was one of the first times that they had disclosed that they were in fact using magnetic backups because a a tape now can hold up to what, like 15 petabytes? It's insane how much
1: it can hold. It's it's quite impressive how they work as well. Uh, We're going to link to the article by uh, Mark Lance. Go have a look uh, at this article, even if you're not interested in storage as much as I am, even though I find storage fascinating.
0: It's pretty cool. This is really cool. I definitely agree that's pretty cool. It's also like, uh, because it's a trade-off, right? Because you get to store a massive amount of information uh, using less electricity, using less power, using less labor and space, but you don't immediately have access to the data that you you would need, right? So there's a trade-off there if you're um, a regular user, but if you're archiving things and you want to sort of uh, keep... Uh, things away from the internet and virus-free, then this is definitely the way to go.
1: Well, there's literal robots that pick up these cartridges full of tapes and move them around. And that's how you're able to access that stuff. Uh, There's an interesting line here. It talks about how uh, it's like 33% per year more storage. And it's... And it's like they double in capacity roughly every two or three years. And it, he, he equates it to basically like a Moore's Law of magnetic tape. And Moore's Law kind of like petered out at this point for computers. Yeah, I think we've kind of plighted out on that one. This goes back to the iPhones. Uh, if you have a 20, like sixteen or 2017 iPhone, you really don't need a 2018 iPhone. Um, no, you don't. Uh, iOS 12 recently came out. Go up. Go update your phone to that. You're going to notice a huge improvement. It's actually really, really good. You should try it, Brian. Have you updated it Did yet? you just swat a fly? No, I dropped my phone on my table.
0: Because <laughs> I have like, no case
1: on my iPhone. I didn't drop it from... like I dropped it like uh, half an inch. It's just loud.
0: Is it like you're using this as a gavel? Like you're the Apple judge? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, noise creating may not uh, catch all of that uh, something that I want to bring up that's very interesting pertinent to what we do here is that apparently a lot of these cost reductions are the result of exponential increases in the density of information that could be recorded per space per square inch Wow we're really harping on that tonight I know I know but yeah it is super fascinating even if you are superficially interested in learning all about uh, how magnetic tape works it is a great article good find Angelo congrats
1: yeah uh, it's just we don't realize that these companies use this stuff because they need to. Is this something you're looking into, by the way, for your like tens of thousands of photos and videos? Yeah, I'm gonna just install a whole magnetic tape uh, apparatus in my basement. Wouldn't that be really hot? I'm sure it's actually like uh, produces a lot of heat, like a server room
0: sort of. Yeah, but I feel like it's like on, on a lesser scale, right? If you can keep 15 petabyte on one tape, that's true. You're not, you're not running, unless you have something you like to tell everyone about how much you hoard media. No, I, and I don't think this is very uh, consumer grade stuff. No, no, it's definitely not. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like a, it's, far from it's archives of websites, right? And things like that. So it's definitely not for your uh, bitmap images from MS Paint. Well, just so you understand, like, and they talk about the, the Gmail
1: thing, but if you store your photos on Google Photos or in, um, Apple hasn't talked about this, but I'm sure their backups of their backups of their backups are on magnetic tape. Yeah, that's what I, I would say. If not, like even definitely. more backups further down, uh,
0: they keep well, everything. Microsoft also uses this, right? So
1: yeah, uh, and Apple uses Microsoft's uh, cloud services to back up to iCloud. Did you know that? I we've talked about that. I yeah, think. isn't that weird? <laughs> it's like you have a middleman there. You might as well just use Microsoft's solutions instead of Apple's
0: secrets. Don't say anything. Entity. Two more items on the docket here for the text section of episode 74. The first is sometimes it can take decades and decades for even the most interesting secrets to come out. In this case, I'm going to talk about doom two, uh, doom two, uh, the infamous first person shooter, uh, and its last secret only came out, uh, recently. And it's, uh, 24 years after the game had launched. I find it,
1: it, I find stuff like this so hard to believe, but the, creator of the game, John Romero, came out and said that this was in fact like the last secret that hadn't been found. Uh, And it was something that they
0: knew existed via glitches, right? Or you can use like God mode to go through walls. Yeah, they were clipping through walls in order to get to a secret space. But basically what had happened and what had occurred in this case is that uh, on one of the levels, because this game measures your percentage of like completion, right? So no one had ever gotten 100%. Let's get that out of the way, right? So no one ever had gotten 100% on, uh, I think it was like level 14 or 15 of this. So basically what had happened is that there's a teleporter that's marked as a discoverable secret. But when you touch it, you never enter anywhere. And it turns out you have to have an enemy bump you into the teleporter in order for it to work.
1: Yeah, and you would never really discover that unless like, you kind of know what you're doing. But people thought it was a glitch, but it wasn't. It was made done on purpose for it
0: to happen like this. And I find this super interesting. I wonder what else is lying out there in terms of secrets and tricks that uh, no one had noticed. I was explaining to my fiance before about how the revelation of Super Mario 3 being a play kind of blew her mind a bit. Was that now... That's been officially... Mentioned yeah, that's by Miyamoto, yeah. right? And yeah, exactly. With the curtain drawing and closing, yeah. I always thought it was interesting. So, yeah, I always thought it was interesting too. And, and that's the kind of thing that only comes out and gets officially confirmed, like almost thirty years after the game comes out. So. I was blown away by the whole white square.
1: Oh, ducking down, secret. Like you, you bend down and you go through, and you go through the back. I thought there was like more secrets to be found with that. I would go nuts whenever I saw a white thing to like uh, crouch on and maybe go through. But I never really found anything super special in that after. Is the, that something you carried over into real life? Like, are you crouching on asphalt? Or are you like... People think I'm crazy when I do that, but I try to go through the ground.
0: <laughs> it's just secret parkour.
1: And I, you know, I always was fascinated by secrets and games and still now, like I kind of get lost. I've been playing Mario Odyssey and I am so excited to find new nooks and crannies in that game. I'm, I'm approaching 500 power moons at this point, uh,
0: but there's 999 in the game. Also, shouts out to you sending me uh, semi-blurry screenshots of Goombas wearing different hats in the middle of the night. (laughs) That was, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I don't, you have, have you tried Mario Odyssey at all? No, I mean, I've I've seen some last plays,
1: but I haven't myself played with it. It's really well done. You know, you were always excited by the power-ups in Mario and like, there were some of like the useless ones that you would only get like once or twice. Like in Mario 3, you'd get like the frog suit once or twice. You'd get the, um, is it Carribo shoe or whatever it's called? You know what I'm talking about? the shoe that you would, like, jump into. Oh,
0: right, the big shoe, right? That you'd have to defeat the Goomba and then jump around. Yeah, and... You, I, I was think- worried because I thought for a second you'd say the almighty Tanuki suit, in which case I would have to hang up and end this episode because the Tanuki suit, the best suit in that game. You don't like the Tanuki suit? I love the Tanuki suit. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. Saying. i sorry. I, I was worried you were going to call it useless. No, and it's wonderful, especially when you discover you can press down and turn it into a little statue. There we go. I was very, very worried that you were going to mention that. But I agree. The shoe, the, like the fraud costume, what kind of competent usages that have outside of all, underwater levels. Of none. And that's it.
1: And but it, with Mario Odyssey, you have all these things you can turn into. So there's like dozens of power ups and it's pretty cool. I thought it would be tedious to have to like turn into different things all the time, but it doesn't happen that often and it's very useful when you do. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a great, great game. And uh I like so in terms of crappy games that Angelo liked when he was a kid, uh, at the top of that list is a boy in his blob. Ooh, that's not crappy, though. No, it's not. I don't know. I was always fascinated by it. And it's David Crane who did Pitfall. It was like his first NES game, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I always have the impression that people thought it was crappy. I loved it. And I thought it was so interesting with so many secrets. It's just that it's one of those games where, and this doesn't happen anymore, but you're just kind of like thrown into it and like, okay, figure it out. Right. Uh, Sort of like Metroid, Super Metroid. You're just kind of thrown into it. Super Metroid though, was, a, was a refinement on that, though. And that oh, for sure. They for sure. actually added a map.
0: Metroid, no. It's like, yeah, here, figure yeah, it out. Go left or right. Uh, it should have come with free graph paper. <laughs> Do you know how many kids have probably used up pens and pens worth of ink graphing out Metroid or get, like, like sort of drawing out its its map? Well, Jeremy Parrish, who we mentioned in our um, YouTube uh,
1: special, spectacular. Uh, I mentioned that as one of my top five channels I like. He has a few
0: series where he's mapping out Metroid um, during a Let's Play. Really cool. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're slowly but surely morphing into a video game podcast, not just a tech podcast. No, it's a tech podcast that touches on video games from time to time. We touch on all topics of tech. We don't just
1: uh, like fixate on Apple or Microsoft or whatever. We like talking about the pop
0: culture about technology, not just tech itself. Speaking about tech itself, though, sometimes you just need to take a step away from tech. And this is the last portion of our tech segment here on Episode 74. This is a video that's about 11 minutes long by your paramour, CGP Grey. I like CGP Grey. He has hosts one of her podcasts, has a really
1: good uh, YouTube channel. This video is on his uh, CGP Grey 2 channel. And uh, so it's not his regular educational videos, which he well he does like one every three months at this point. Uh, he's more of a podcaster than than uh, YouTube uh, creator, but he's kind of taking a break from the stuff he creates. I don't know if he, he wasn't clear in saying if he's he's taking a break himself, but he's not listening to or watching any more videos on YouTube or listening to podcasts. Uh, he's taking a break from that, taking a step back to kind of just enjoy without having. Always something to distract them, and I I kind of understand that for sure. I have a job where I can like if I don't listen to podcast during the day, I'm going to go crazy because I'm going to hear the, all the noise around me. We've discussed my uh, new open office area, and Brian probably understands that as well. If I wasn't listening to podcast, I'd listen to music. When you come in, do you hug your coworkers? I do not. I do Handjakes? not do that. No. Do you feel like you have to say hi to more people now? No, it's just polite hellos, and then I put my headphones in and start working. And
0: ignore the world around you. I try,
1: or else I get no work done. And anyway, uh, CGB Gray, really interesting, um, slow-moving video where uh, it's just him talking as he's taking a walk in the woods. And it's deliberate, obviously, to almost make you want to be bored by the video and to turn it off because it's not holding your attention enough. I actually watched the whole thing. And I think you didn't, right, Brian? I watched about six minutes worth because I knew that one of us would watch it. Well, I had watched it when I sent it to, to you, and uh, that's my figured. Yeah, he actually says, if you're actually still watching at this point, maybe you agree with me, and I do agree with him. It's just, and I have cut out a lot of podcasts. I have a hard time cutting some out though because I've grown attached to the hosts. Do you want to name and shame people here? Well, no, but it's not not just that. It's just I don't I don't know if it's I would feel bad not listening. It's just. I want to know
0: what these people have to say about certain things like honestly dude you can cut out Joe Rogan I know how much you love him I know how much I you, cut out I,
1: Joe Rogan so long ago I was so sick of him I I don't know
0: why I liked it I I really enjoyed Rogan's podcast for like a year I feel like is is that year where you decided to be an MMA bro Oh yeah, and it was yeah.
1: I actually was watching MMA fighting too, and it was weird. <laughs> uh, hmm, and you know why? I'll tell you why it started. I actually was I was uh, using George Saint Pierre's exercise videos, which were actually really okay. good. Uh, yeah. But I thought, hey, I, I like this guy, and George Saint Pierre actually seems like a
0: stand-up, nice dude. He does seem like, by all accounts of, the, of of people I know who know him uh, and who've dealt with him, he's, seen, he's a really nice guy. So basically, you you came for the gains, but you stayed for the conversation. Yes. But so you you cut out Joe Rogan. I cut uh, out Joe Rogan a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I get what you mean. There's there's an information overload going on. We're just we're rewarded with like too many things all of the time. It's very frustrating to have to pick and choose, uh, and these are hard decisions to make a lot of the time too. So I definitely can understand. But uh, where you're coming from, very important. Nobody cut out this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you make us number one. We're very interesting. Are we a false idol if we say, like, there shall be none above us? Yeah, don't say that. Oh, well, I just did. So this is super awkward.
1: You have one new voice message. To play your messages, press 1 to record a message. New message sent by 5552836660.
0: Hi. This is Annabelle Crow. I'm calling about the audition you sent in for the acting seminar that I'll be hosting. After seeing your acting, I'm thrilled to offer you a place in my class. Please give me a call back to confirm that you'll be attending, and I'll go over what it will entail in more detail. I look forward to hearing from you. Congratulations and welcome. To replay this message,
1: press 1 to go to the previous.
0: Intrigued by what you just heard? Head on over to Twitter and visit at Calling Podcast to find out more. Angelo, as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. And our first item this week is by your friend and mine, Luis Elizondo. He posted an article to Medium all about the stigma attached to the unknown. I have a hard time with Luis Elizondo because sometimes he sounds
1: like he's bragging about what he's done. Just to make himself appear like he has more authority than he really has. I don't know if you get that sense. Like the idea that the secrets that he holds um, make him more intriguing? Like, just look at his title, right? So, Luis Elizondo, Director of Special Programs at To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science. FMR AATIP Director for the USG Department of Defense. I don't know. I find like there's way too much there. He seems like the type of guy that if he had a doctorate, he would insist you call him doctor oh for sure even if it's a doctrine in uh an esoteric art this is something that bugs me like the the people like neil degrasse tyson never ever expects to be called dr tyson right no uh but he is obviously he's got a phd he's really smart but he comes off a little less stuffy
0: I like how this is your opening salvo in the discussion about this very, very interesting and dense article about how we should feel about the stigma attached to the unknown. I'm glad that we're doing this first.
1: Yeah, and I'm bringing up somebody who totally stigmatizes the unknown, and that is Neil deGrasse Tyson.
0: (laughs) So I feel like he may have at his core a really good idea, but the functionality and the way in which he presents himself is a little questionable. So the idea behind the article, I feel, is he wants us to start seeing the unknown in different ways and sort of he frames the idea of so it's very interesting because he makes the uh differentiation of like talking about uaps right or ufos because he wants to move away from the Sigma attached to the word ufos right like they remind you like 50s b movies they remind you of, like hoaxes they remind you of like the fringe right well the problem with uap is it just sounds dumb it sounds like a manila folder i i really don't like the term uap
1: i cringe every time i hear somebody say it with all seriousness, like Leslie Kane. Um, I, I find her irritating as well. Now look at me just wow, telling right. I, it's just, I don't know. I find her stuffy and annoying too. I've read her book. I gave her money for her book. So that entitles you to uh, an opinion on her herself. Well, I guess I'm a lot an opinion. It's just, <laughs> uh, I, I just, I don't know. I find a lot of these
0: people sort of stuffy and annoying. Why don't we move away from the people and talk about the content? And talk about the notion of this, because I feel like we're kind of, yeah, we're kind of getting in the weeds here about what we really want to talk about. And something that it ties back to a couple episodes ago, we were talking about that Ellie Tarm's article, but like the different UFO tribes that exist out there. Right. I feel like those two aren't so far apart because we talk about how um, and in the article people mentioned, like, I don't necessarily talk about what I do with other people because I'm afraid of being stigmatized or I'm afraid of being labeled. Right. And I feel like this article speaks directly to some of the issues related to that.
1: Oh, it, it really relates. And I wonder if he was inspired by that article. He probably read it and thought that it would be something interesting to talk about um, because he has experience in that. I'm sure he's been, um, would we say, shunned from uh, certain parts of places he's worked at because of his
0: beliefs? Oh, I do believe that that's entirely impossible, But I also uh, feel uh, in a hopeful kind of sense that his sentiment is really good and that we need to move beyond. And I think that's something you and I talk about continually in this podcast is moving beyond the stigma attached to talking about UFOs as like little green men or little grays and sort of like explore the phenomena based on the information available to us. And with the caveat, like you were saying, of course, that he makes it sound like he knows a lot more and he's very, very convinced based on stuff that he's seen that I don't necessarily believe is public or has been made even semi-public or referenced to, right? So I feel like to the point that you are saying about him making himself look grand, I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, that's just one part of the bigger discussion that he wants to bring about in terms of talking about not necessarily uh, what these things are, but how they operate and sort of um, demystify things. And I feel like ultimately like it's a really good goal. It's just a question of how do we get from here to there. Uh,
1: one of the issues I take, though, is that he seems to have made a decision that these things have to be something unknown and unknowable that we haven't discovered yet, or I think he's pretty much a proponent of the ETH, if I'm not mistaken. And he's almost certain that no matter what comes of this, he's right in that these things are from either another planet or another dimension or whatever. Um, And there's no talking him into that. Maybe it's just all misidentified stuff that we don't know Yet, And it's a natural earthbound phenomenon. That's where I take the stand of preferring like what a normal scientist would say. I don't know. I don't know yet. That's We don't have any proof of anything. And he seems to have um, sort of made up his mind that no matter what happens, he's always going to lean towards the unknown. And that becomes a bit of the problem with this. Because it's just confirmation bias for whatever he sees. Exactly. And you have to be really careful of that. Because, again, there's always confirmation bias on both sides. Uh, And he also has this weird convoluted
0: Harry Potter analogy, which I don't get. Right. Talking about Voldemort and naming him. Not a good analogy. No, I agree. He could have done a little bit better. I guess that's, uh, you know, speaking to the uh, pulp culture ephemera out there, uh, I do want to read one quote that I thought was very, very interesting. And I'm not sure if it is the pot calling the kettle black, but I kind of want to pick your brain on this. Please. So he says the, the rise of social media means that now everyone has a voice, but many of those voices are less motivated by truth and instead seek to spread their own agendas. A simple search on Google about the program I once helped run, ATIP, results in hundreds of hits, many of these from purportedly reputable sites from deep state sources. These sites are run by the same individuals who claim to have inside knowledge of UAPs, but have never provided one shred of evidence or proof that they have access to government insiders. Hmm. He might as well be talking about himself. Well, I mean, the big difference is he has access to government insiders, right? But I mean, apart from that, like it's it's all about agenda-driven narratives, and I feel like he himself, aligning himself to the stars, doing like a press conference, uh, going into the you know the BS, uh, crowdfunding, kind of uh, puts himself in the field of these people that, in the same ballpark, at least. It really does,
1: and the whole to the stars thing is. Borderline like a, a sideshow. Uh, they've done some good, actually. They've they've actually proven a, a me wrong in the initially thinking it was going to be a whole, total disaster. It doesn't seem to be a total disaster,
0: but uh, they're kind of walking a thin line there. Yeah, I, I have, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot of the time. Tom DeLonge's media empire. Uh, there are a lot of like really interesting and uh, shady things about how they operate and what they plan on doing, and that's fine. That's their own business. Uh, but I do feel um, that fundamentally the issue that he raises about uh destigmatizing a lot of what we talk about is an important step to do because I feel like it opens up our consciousness in order to accept more variables and more possibilities and therefore come to better answers with a fuller picture. And I feel like that sentiment um, is sort of like coded in a bunch of other layers about, you know, references to Voldemort and talking about how like <laughs> uh, people on YouTube uh, have their own agendas. I... I find it hard sometimes
1: because I like to take a skeptical stance because right now there's uh, really nothing scientific in terms of proof of anything truly paranormal. And the problem happens in that humans, our, our biases make us refuse to change our minds no matter what the proof is. So there's people that don't believe in this stuff, but if something comes out that there's proof of it, sometimes they just won't believe that proof and vice versa. If... If like a UFO that was held up as like a, a big deal and something so important that it was never going to be proven false, it was evidence of a UFO, well, and then they prove that it was like a balloon or something, they refuse to believe it. And that's really frustrating.
0: Oh, and I absolutely agree with you uh, that... On both sides of the aisle, it's kind of hard to have that conversation if you don't decide to sort of walk towards the middle. Uh, there is one sort of a series of sentences that I feel like form the core of uh, this story and I feel like it's important to bear as we as as a a species move forward so I'm going to quote from it so he says as a species it's crucial to understand the things we can't explain in order to survive and that means being open to new ideas possibilities and data and I definitely do think that that's the crux of his argument just coded in you know maybe 700 other words around there but I do agree that like you and I are both um, somewhere on the skeptical horizon I guess uh, just based on the fact that we haven't had any necessary necessarily interesting experiences uh, but are open to the idea an open discussion and open to exploring different sorts of paths and fields. Yeah, that that's why we actually get along with
1: people that believe in this stuff more so than us because we have intelligent discussions. That that's what's important right now is not like convincing somebody to believe in something or not to believe in something. It's having being able to have an open discussion with somebody who may or may not believe in the same things you believe in but be respectful and be able to actually discuss it intelligently and not just close your eyes and ears to what people have to say. Unless it's really dumb, then you can do
0: that. Yeah, well, I mean, like we won't talk about people like David Icke, for example, right? Because I feel like a lot of what he has to say, uh, blood-sucking creatures and all, uh, isn't necessarily important to the narrative. But I feel like that's th- pretty much who exactly I was referring to. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like the firmer you are in your convictions, the further way you move from being able to talk about these sorts of things intelligently, as you were saying, be able to come to sort of an agreement that we're not sure, right? And ultimately, that's what it is. And that's how I position things. But I feel like, unfortunately, most of um, humanity, when they hear uh, UAP, UFO, alien, they shut down and they just... They think of it in a certain way where it, because they, they've been conditioned to essentially, right? And I think in that case, I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole we go down in terms of like government messaging, misinfo, disinfo, um, and how we've been conditioned to believe things are a certain way. And that's definitely a discussion I want to have with you one day. And I feel like that's a component of what and how, um, humanity largely sees these things. But I feel like people need to move beyond that in order to really just ask based on the evidence and data collected what's going on here and what are these things and uh, how they've come to be and how do we talk to them, right? One of the lines near the beginning of the um, article, he says
1: that he's experienced enough to know with absolute certainty that UAPs exist.
0: Okay, they exist, whatever, but... Right, is it based on the USS Nimitz stuff? Like, is that what you're basing it on? You know, like, what else is there? What exists, though? Like, okay, UAPs
1: exist. What if every single time, no matter what you thought they were, it's proven that there was like a new form of atmospheric uh, disturbances. Would he refuse to believe that? And I'm leaning towards he probably would refuse to believe it because he has it in his mind that these UAPs are something special.
0: Right otherworldly other dimension like there is a physical component embodiment to them there is an intelligence there that he wants to talk to because in his narrative and you know i've only read a couple of articles interviews with him i've only heard a couple of interviews with him so i kind of have an idea of how he thinks someone like i'm not him right so i can't speak for him but i definitely do think that he feels like there are sentient beings out there um that are trying to reach us
1: and we have absolutely
0: zero proof that it's that
1: we have the same amount of proof that it's not that and that it's, like I said, some sort of atmospheric disturbance that like it's the same amount of proof. Yeah, pretty much same amount of evidence, same amount of data.
0: Moving on from concepts though, to people. And of course, if you want to join in on this discussion, you can hit us up on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same thing on Instagram. You can go and head on over to double density on it. Click on the contact button. Cause let's talk UAP. Let's talk stigmas. Let's talk aliens. Let's talk all of that good stuff. And speaking of aliens, uh, a pair of articles. The first one from Gizmodo. The second one from Popular Mechanics. The first one indicates that a uh, observatory in New Mexico uh, was shut down on September 6th. So the Sunspot Solar Observatory uh, was evacuated, and a work and uh, research ceased uh, ceased there. And speculation run rampant that uh, some of the researchers there had made contact with an alien life form or alien being.
1: Uh, it started off with so much promise, so exciting. Could be aliens government lockdown, everybody kicked out of this place, what was happening. And then they resolve it and say, oh, there was some criminal activity going on. It's too bad. <laughs> yeah, It really I is know. too bad. Uh, because I had high hopes for this. I like that the article is titled, This is How It Starts, because it really is uh, how it starts in every
0: movie. Oh, for sure. It's just like, you know, if you picture the beginning of Independence Day, this is how it starts.
1: Yeah. Um, there's you a know? guy listening to It's the End of the World as We Know It and uh there's some sort of weird thing over the moon but unfortunately would your son be able to identify this if he's looking at the moon oh again you're bringing that back the uh, face on the moon yeah creepy uh the moon plays an important part in mario odyssey did you know that i did not know that but uh, is this something
0: that your family discusses liberally
1: yeah we talk about it we love going to the moon levels and it's a lot of fun uh but back to this criminal activity (laughs) really boring alien invasion pretty cool super cool
0: yeah I feel as though uh, it's as you're saying Like it's always fun to speculate at the beginning of these kinds of things right but I also uh, have come to realize that I uh, my first take is usually my hot take is not a good take Uh, and with that in mind if there's any breaking news I'll tend to give it a little bit of time I mean if it's not um, breaking news that affects me directly uh, I'll wait for it kind of to settle down and before like the facts emerge a little bit more yeah and uh, if that makes me a sheeple so be it
1: and the thing is, this goes back to what we were talking before, is that I'm sure, we'll, even though we have an answer now that it was some sort of criminal activity, it's really boring. So people are going to scream cover-up. Oh, well, of course.
0: I, I mean, I've I, i I've been, I was on the above top secret forums doing that, so. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure
1: people will say, no, we have definitive proof that UFOs are aliens and not some sort of weather phenomenon. But they'd be wrong, because... Speak for yourself, honky. Oh, man. <laughs> You okay? Yeah. I'm just, I guess I'm boring. I don't know. I, yeah. I think, it, I don't think it's anything special. It's sad. It's just something. I mean, oh, it, what do you think? Is that like some, some guy stole a few telescopes or something?
0: I have no idea. It might be uh, Or he know. stole the alien know. specimen. That's the criminal activity. So they're not lying. They're just, they're pivoting. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. Uh, I feel like with things like this, something would have come out uh, if it were uh, not part of the official narrative. Um, You know, and not just like friend of a friend of a friend told me, I do feel like reality, unfortunately, is a lot more boring. And if they had to close things down, I'm reasonably sure there was a good reason as to why they were doing that um, in terms of being able to protect their ongoing investigation. Like, who knows what it could be? Could it be trafficking? Could be uh, drug dealing, drug making? Could be human trafficking? You you don't know. You really don't know, Um, especially uh, in things like a a national park. But here, I want to hit you with something, though. Oh, boy. Uh, What if it's one of these like missing 411 things? Those are creepy creepier than most things like they're because they're real yeah once again like correlation uh definitely suggests that something may be going on but also a rational look at the numbers may not suggest that at all right you're fascinated by that topic aren't you I, I, yes, uh, David Pleat is his work. Super interesting. I don't necessarily buy into all of it. I know that Graveyard Tales had done a really great sort of primer um, covering a lot of what was going on there maybe two or three months ago. So if you want to check that out, I highly suggest doing that. But yeah, I, there's, I, it's just like when we're talking about the smiley face killer theory, right? Like I'm of two minds. I want to believe it, but logically speaking, it doesn't make as much sense as I want it to. So at that point, where do I lie? Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, Which makes me boring. Like yeah. I just realized we're
1: just boring people. We're... But people like listening to our show, I hope. And if you think we're boring, let us know. And if you don't think we're boring, let us know about that too. Maybe in a review on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't Ooh. had one
0: of those in a while. Ooh. Good call, yeah. Uh, please go ahead and head on over to the Apple Store. the uh, Whatever, the App Store, the iTunes Store. Leave us a review on all of those stores. Apple Podcasts. The, the, that app has been updated, so now you'll see the fancy chapter markers we've been
1: working on for for months and months on uh, that uh, they'll appear in that too, because uh, nobody releases AAC podcasts and they were only reading AAC chapter markers. But now we have MP3 chapter markers in the Apple podcast app.
0: You'll be able to enjoy those from time to time. That was a really boring statement to be uh, made here on uh, double density. It might be the I'll last I'll give it its own chapter marker so you can skip it. <laughs> as we continue into our spiral of mediocrity here on double density. <laughs> uh. Angelo I think it's a good time to wrap things up yes (laughs) I think so too Uh, Angelo Brian I'm gonna call it I'm going to call it quids here for episode 74. Sounds good. So uh, go ahead and tune in next week as we wander aimlessly in a nearby forest, screaming out the names of the local demons we know that haunt us. Uh, and as always, you can reach us over on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can head on over to uh, our website, double density.net. Click on the contact button. You can also view where you can find us on all of our different uh, podcasting apps, or you can listen directly onto the site if that's a thing you're into. Uh, I'm curious to see who does that, though. I don't think many people do that. That's the wrong way to listen to podcasts.
1: Oh, here so we might go. as well listen no, to it on YouTube. no YouTube,
0: no websites, just apps. Yeah. All right, buddy. I will see you next episode. See you, Brian. Let's get on boring. Spontaneous road trip to save our marriage. Really? That's what we Why want to not? do. Yeah. Well, let's just do that. Uh, we'll do it live from the road. Do it live. Perfect. I'll see you then. Bye.
1: This is on his YouTube 2 channel. Like, no, I'm sorry. This is on his CGB Great Wait, 2 no, channel. You
0: should, have just, you should have just left it as YouTube 2, like Secret YouTube. <laughs> do you know about the Secret YouTube? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, this is going in the loop. <laughs> just, yeah, just retake that. <laughs> By the way, how do you not know who Cardi B is, my friend? I don't know. I, I, I might know who she is. I have no idea what She's she is. She's got the like. number 2 and number 3 song on the Billboard Top 100 Here, Does that is that still relevant? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? In the age of streaming? Huge. I don't know.